You are listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Just want to greet you, church, Hope Church family. So thankful for you joining and for all those who are watching and tuning in from different places as well. Hey, so second week in the basement, um, I decided to do some decorating. Do you like it? I like it a lot. And, you know, even within COVID-19, today is another good day because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter where you are, what you're going through, no matter what happens, the reality is we're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ that makes today another good day and the greatest day of all is coming so soon. So the basement's getting a little fancier and we are all about the reality of this truth, the gospel here today. So let's get started again. So glad that you are with us. You know, in some ways, we have been in Acts, the book of Acts, this entire year to come to this point, um, to this message today. When the world is unstable, when the world is uncertain, uh, when people start to feel very insecure, when they find themselves in a place of panic, there's definitely a negative to that, obviously. Okay? There's the negative we feel, the negative we see all around us, but there's also um, a tremendous place for the positive because within this difficulty, there's a time of immense opportunity. I mean, case in point, um, the town of Oakville sent out a COVID-19 update. They actually quoted the Bible in it. I mean, like, who would have thought? Now, they misquoted the Bible, but they quoted the Bible. And like, that that would not have happened a month ago. I promise you that, right? There's an opportunity. People are thinking in ways they have not thought maybe ever or certainly for a very long time. You know, it was only a little over a month ago that the Dow Jones Industrial Average was at the absolute all-time high. Uh, the TX, TSX also was at all-time record levels. And so what happens is a month ago, but a, just over a month ago, the business investor at this point, um, he or she is riding high. Uh, they feel so secure. They have a rock-solid future. No worries at all. They are flush with cash. Um, all the baby boomers, they're filled with excitement and feeling a tremendous sense of security because times are good and life is good too. Then in a matter of a, in a, matter of a moment, their entire foundation is rocked. In a matter of one week, the certainty gone, the confidence greatly hindered, if not shattered. And, and how did this happen? Like, why did this happen? Well, an, an impossible to predict microscopic virus brings the entire world to its knees in just a few weeks. Like what I just described to you, if I said that one month ago, you'd be like, that's right out of a movie, man. I know, it's crazy. It's the world we're living in right now. And so what happens is, is shock is felt and shock leads to uncertainty. And that uncertainty leads to great fear. And then great fear so often leads to panic. And people struck with fear right now for health and safety and future and struck with fear over what they now think about more than they want to, even death itself. So on one level, this situation I just described is obviously and evidently terrible and awful. But on another level, it could be the greatest gift that millions could ever receive. Now, some of you were like, why would you ever, how could COVID-19 be one of the greatest gifts that someone could ever receive? Well, 
Jesus Christ taught in Matthew chapter seven, he taught this parable that when someone builds their house on sand and the storms come and it ruins the house and their house is gone, but then he compared it to someone who builds their house on the rock and when the storms come because the house is on a sure foundation, their house will stand forever. And of course, the rock in this description is Jesus Christ himself. If there are events in this world that can show you before it's too late that your foundation is built on sand, that the storms will come in ruin to point you to the rock of life and eternal life in Jesus Christ, then that is the greatest gift you have ever received because you have been awakened to the truth and reality of eternal life. My point is this, across this world right now, there are literally millions and millions of people asking questions they were not asking even one month ago. And some are asking questions maybe they have never asked before. More than ever, people are asking this question in some form, in some way. Is my house built on sand? Is my house built on sand? Questions like, what is life really about? Um, is this world going to end? What is my future? What is the purpose of my life? What am I living for? Is life more than my pleasure and happiness? Am I gonna die? I mean, that's real right now. What happens when I die? Is God real? Is there a heaven? And if so, how do I get there? It's within this immense difficulty, loved ones and all who are listening, within immense difficulty there is an even more immense opportunity. Opportunity for salvation in Jesus Christ. I just wanna take a moment to pray for us now as we continue. Oh Lord, I ask that you would make this the day of salvation as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Lord, this, this world is searching. Millions and millions of people are asking and searching. I pray you would use today by your Holy Spirit to save so many. Do it, Lord, do it. Every life changed for your glory. Every single life changed results in your greater glory. So we pray to you and ask this of you now. In Jesus' name, we pray, um, amen. Hey, kids, give an amen. Parents, give an amen. All who are listening, give an amen. Awesome. Okay, let's get our Bibles open to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, if you need to, again, you can pause right now this video and you can uh, go get a Bible if you don't have one. You can also use the device Bible Gateway. I type in Acts chapter 15. I want you to see God's word. We're gonna help you today by showing some of the verses on the screen as well. So the question we are both asking, asking and answering from the Bible today is this. It's our sermon title. How is someone truly saved? How is someone truly saved? Now, the correct answer to this question brings eternal life, rescue from sin and death, and a guaranteed entrance into heaven. The incorrect answer to the question, how can someone truly be saved, is absolutely disastrous. To not answer this question and live the answer to this question, again, correctly, will not result in eternal life. In fact, it will result in eternal separation 
from God. So today's a very, very, very important opportunity that God has brought to your, let's say, living room right now to hear this message. So lots of powerful stuff to get through today. Let's get some quick context together as we open our Bibles to Acts chapter 15. As we move from Acts chapter 14 and we see the moving of the gospel, commentator Ken Hughes, he says this, he says, the river of God's saving grace had overflowed its banks. That's so good. In the book of Acts, there's so much opposition and trial, but within that, there's so much life change. Jesus Christ is building his church. Countless lives are being transformed and saved again by faith in Jesus Christ. Transformed from death to life is an awesome scene. Again, the banks of the saving grace of God, they've been overflowing and spilling again with living water all over the place. But here's what we know. Whenever the gospel is moving, the enemy is also moving. Whenever Jesus Christ is building his church, Satan is not far behind trying to discourage and seeking to destroy the seeds that have been planted by the gospel again of Jesus. And the opposition does not take long to start again in Acts chapter 15. In fact, in verse one, this time it's through the form of false teaching, which is no surprise. As you look there at Acts chapter 15, verse 1, we learn here that men had come down from and or come down to Antioch. They were unauthorized men from Jerusalem. So the leaders in Jerusalem did not send them. They were insisting as they came down that salvation must include works. And the reason they were saying this is they were insisting that the, that the Gentile believers had to be circumcised. And as they did this, this was a direct, again, attempt to revert back to the obsolete Old Covenant system. And Paul, Paul and Barnabas, you can see there in verse 2, Paul and Barnabas, man, they wanted nothing to do with this, or they were fired up about this. It says there was no small dissension and debate. You can look at that at verse 2, no small dissension and debate. That means, man, it was intense. Like, there was some arguing going on, as there should be, because the very gospel, again, was at stake. Paul and Barnabas, they then traveled down to Jerusalem, where all the heavyweights of the Christian faith are going to be meeting to discuss this. But as they come to Jerusalem, I want you to notice here also in verse 5, they um, come up against, again, the same false teaching. So look at verse 5. It should be on the screen for you as well. It says this, but some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law um, of Moses. So this then leads, this is important to know, in Acts 15, this then leads to the first ever church council, which is going to be held in Jerusalem. So many important councils over the history of the church, beautiful church councils of incredibly important decisions. This was the first one ever, which probably, again, addressing the most important issue ever, the question of the gospel. This question, say it again, how is truly someone truly saved? How is someone truly saved? By the way, as we look at Acts chapter 15, you have a gathering in this way of the who's who of Christianity. You have PB and J gathered. No, no, not Peter, Butter, and Jam. No, no, you have Paul, Barnabas, and James, and another P, and you have Peter as well. I mean, anyone who's anyone is here and gathering together to discuss again this incredibly important question in this council of Jerusalem. And let me say this too, okay, church? The answer to the question in this debate of Acts 15 would set the path 
for the gospel for the rest of time and the rest of history. Again, a huge opportunity for us today. Go, Lord, go, Lord, change lives, change lives today. Bring clarity. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help eyes be open. You would lift the veil. You would help people see and hear for the truly for the first time ever. Change lives, save lives. We need the gospel to bring people again from death to life and from darkness to light. Do it, Lord, right now as we get into your word. We're counting on you, God, to save lives today. Please, Lord, reach so many again for your glory. So look at verse 6 now of Acts chapter 15. It says this, it says, the apostles and the elders, are you looking at God's word? Make sure you look at God's word. They were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Peter's there referring to Cornelius back in Acts chapter 10. He's recalling, again, probably about 10 years earlier than this, he's recalling how God clearly has saving, been saving the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit. They respond to the gospel. And now look at verse 8. It says, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And these verses should be on the screen. It should be verse 9. And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their heart, listen, listen, by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by, this is very important, by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? That is such a good point, Peter. And then look at verse 11. Here's really the verse of our whole text, our whole time today. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace. If you hear anything today, Salvation is by grace through faith, by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Listen, just as they will. So what a moment this is for the early church. Notice the attack on the gospel. Notice it comes from within. It comes from professing believers. Why is this so critical? It's so critical this, because ready? If you weaken the gospel, then you weaken the church. In fact, you can go further. If the gospel is weakened, a, a, a church without the true gospel is not the true church. Without the gospel, there is no true church. I'm trusting that right now many are watching. Many are watching, and some of you, you've never truly been taught the authentic, sincere, and true message of, of, of salvation. Listen, if that is you, this is your moment. This is your moment. We're about to blow up false teaching and we're about to destroy the lies from hell itself as so many gospels that are false have been floating around and leading people to death as opposed to life. Do you know there are many churches, many churches right now that are operating in this country without a true gospel? If there's no true gospel, they can't be the true church. Anything but the pure gospel is exceedingly dangerous. So lean in, get your Bible, pay attention, learn from this first council and how important it was. The false teaching in Acts chapter 15, this was a, a, a reintroduction to the necessity of circumcision. Because look at what verse one says. This false teachers, they came down, they said, unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. Look at, look at how clear it is what they were teaching. So these men were explicitly teaching no circumcision means no salvation. So they were saying, unless you're circumcised, then get out of the church. They were trying to kick people out of the church for not abiding by the law of Moses. 
Now, what's the problem with this? Uh, in a word, everything. Everything's the problem with this. Listen, listen. The whole reason Jesus came was to fulfill the law, Matthew chapter five. And Jesus came to fulfill the law. Ready, ready? He came to fulfill the law that you and I would not have to because it was impossible for you and I to fulfill the law. Remember, you're listening right now. Christianity is not about doing. Christianity, religion is spelled do, D-O. Christianity authentically by God's word. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, what's been done for you. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law because you and I could never do it because we are sinful. We are not perfect and therefore we cannot meet the requirements rightly put in place by a holy God. But this false teaching of the Pharisee party, as you look down at verse five, they are seeking to place grace-filled believers back under a system of legalism and guilt. It's so important to remember too, okay? If you need to keep one part of the law, then you need to keep the whole law itself. Now look on the screen here, a verse from James chapter two, verse 10. It says this so clearly, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Aren't you so glad? Just look at that verse for a second. Aren't you so glad how clearly the Bible tells us that we sin every day. You sin, I sin every single day. We fail in one part of the law. We're accountable for the entire thing. There's no way we could ever be good enough to get into heaven. Again, this is the whole reason that Jesus Christ came. This is exactly why Peter, too, led by the Spirit. Look at verse 10. And verse 10 on the screen for you as well, he says this. He says, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? In other words, Peter's like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? The whole history of our nation is one long proof that we can't do it. We stink. We can't keep the law. I mean, whether from Moses and then David and Solomon all the way through and all God's people, it's just this pattern of sin, confess, sin, confess. I mean, if, if Israel's history shows us anything, man cannot fulfill the law. We need the Savior, the Son of God to do this. So Peter must be exasperated. He's like, why would you go back when we've been given the gift of grace and the ultimate expression of love through the death of Jesus Christ to pay for our sins, to satisfy, again, the demands of God. So generation after generation of Israelites, they failed. And then these, these people come in and wanna bring us back under the law? No, thank you. And Peter's exactly of that mind as well. It's interesting here again, and for those of us again aware of biblical theology and the New Testament understanding of the new covenant, what's happening here in Acts chapter 15 is these false teachers, um, they are trying to pour new wine into old wineskins. That's taken from Luke chapter five, where Jesus says in Luke chapter five, he says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Why? Well, if he does, the new wine will burst and the skins will be destroyed. He says, listen, but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Um, many of you have heard these verses before, but have you ever, ever really understood what it means? Could you explain to someone again why Jesus told that parable? This is, this is what it means. 
Jesus was teaching this in parable form to explain you can't place the new covenant into the old covenant. If you try to play the covenant of grace within the covenant of law, both will get destroyed in the process. You see, with the death of Jesus, works-based religion was destroyed. Let me say that again. Who's that for right now? With the death of Jesus, works-based religion was destroyed. Again, it went from do old covenant again to done new covenant ultimately again by the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. So you see what these false teachers are trying to do? I mean, this is so interesting. The false teachers are trying to actually sew back up the temple curtain. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to block the new and living way that was granted access by Jesus Christ to God for us. Don't sew back up the curtain. Are you kidding me? Who wants to go back to those days? No, no, no. The temple curtain torn from top to bottom. I mean, that is the whole point of our life and our hope and our freedom and the grace and forgiveness we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand also with these false teachers, it's not that they're denying grace entirely, but they're trying to add works to it. So therefore, in some ways, they'd be teaching salvation is grace plus works which is a devastating doctrine that has killed millions and millions in history and killing millions right now. People believe in a grace plus Jesus plus my effort, Jesus plus my works. How do we apply this? Well, listen, if anyone teaches you that you must go to this church or that church to be saved, or you must keep this specific ceremony to be saved, or you must perform this sacrament, to be saved, you know what they're doing? They're placing a false yoke upon you. According to the Bible, they are preaching a different gospel than what Jesus Christ taught, died, and rose from the dead again to achieve. And let's be very clear too, I mean, very, very clear in our day. We want as much clarity as we can. Paul says in the book of Galatians, anyone who teaches a different gospel other than the one he taught is to be accursed. There's one true, pure gospel. It is found again in Jesus Christ by grace and through faith. If you've been taught this, that good people will be saved, that is not the true gospel. That is a false gospel. The gospel is not about making bad people good. The gospel is about making dead people alive. And no amount of good works will cause a person to be brought back from the dead, spiritually speaking. It's so important to get the clarity of the gospel. We are saved by grace. We are not saved by works. And I want you to notice what Peter says too in verse 10. Take a look at it. First, Peter says that by reverting back to legalism, he says you are putting God to the test. Now, why would he say that? Putting God to the test is essentially disbelief, unbelief. You, you're not believing God in the gospel that he's taught. You don't believe that God's message of salvation by grace could be right, so you want to add to it. You're putting God to the test. You don't trust God. You don't believe in what he said. Many, many false teachers and many, many of those deceivers led by Satan are putting people under a yoke that doesn't exist in Scripture. Secondly, we see here that the placing of the yoke of the burden of legalism, this will cause people to be crushed underneath it. Again, it's a complete denial of why Jesus Christ came and what he did when he came as well. You know, after all, 
It was Jesus, he said, in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, let me just turn there, and you can if you want to as well. This might be on the screen for you as well. In Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 to 30, here's what he said here. Again, this is so important. Who's this for right now? He said this, he says, come to me. I mean, just think in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the coronavirus, in the midst of COVID-19, again, panic and hysteria. Jesus, so many people searching. Jesus says this, this is who's this for right now. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Again, again, consider the yoke that Peter mentioned, Acts 15, now the yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what do we learn here? Let's contrast again the yoke of the false teaching in Acts 15 to the yoke of Jesus right here in Matthew 11. Here's what Jesus explained to us right here. He says again, to keep the law, that yoke is crushing, but the yoke of Jesus Christ is light. Jesus bears the crushing yoke of the law. Why? That we might receive the yoke of rest, that we don't have to earn our salvation, that we have peace again with Jesus Christ. Jesus bears the yoke of our punishment and sin. Again, the punishment we deserve. Jesus takes that on for us, that we might receive the yoke that is light, the yoke of his unconditional and forever love. Jesus bears the yoke of our guilt and she, many of us right now are filled with fear and we're so worried about guilt. We feel shame. We're running around like a chicken with the head cut off. We're not sure what's happening right now. And we just in tremendously burdened by guilt and shame. Listen, Jesus bears this yoke for us at the cross that we might receive his yoke of grace and forgiveness. So who's here listening right now? You've been drawn to God for this moment, right here, right now. In the past, you've been crushed by the yoke of your sin with fear, with lostness. You've been weighed down by hopelessness. You're looking around you right now. You're looking around this world and you are not finding the answers. You're crushed by the fear of dying itself because you have no certainty that what's gonna happen beyond this life is gonna be good for you. Oh, but there is certainty. There is certainty now and there is absolute certainty beyond this life. His name is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the bread of life, who gives living water, the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. There's none like him. He holds the keys to death and Hades, and in him he has the authority, the power and the authority to grant life and to grant resurrection and everlasting life as well. Again, Jesus Christ is his name. Listen, and he invites you to come to him. He invites you to rest in him. He invites you to receive his grace. He invites you to be forgiven by him and cleansed forever. Now, for some right now, you've been listening to this message, again, appointed by God to be here in this moment. And you say, yes, I do want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I do want to be cleansed of my sin. But again, but you say, but how? Look at Acts chapter 15. Again, verse nine, the answer is right here on the screen for you. Peter says, and he made no distinction between us and them Gentiles and Jews. Why, why, ready? Listen, listen. Having cleansed 
their hearts two words. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Ready? Look, 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 look. By faith. I want to pause. I want to sink in. Look at how clear scripture is. God cleansed their hearts by faith, by the people placing their faith in Jesus Christ. Again, we are not saved again by works. We are saved by grace. How do we access point number two? How do we access grace? We access grace by faith, not legalism. It's faith that receives the free gift of grace. Question, have you received the gift of grace from Jesus? What do we do? We believe in his life. He lived the perfect life. We believe in his death. He died for our sins. We believe he rose from the dead, defeating death forever. We believe he is our forgiveness of sins. We believe he is the Lord of salvation. We believe he is the son of God. We place our faith in him. And the Bible promises us when that is real, we shall be saved. So faith, listen, listen, faith is the key that unlocks the gift of grace. Grace is the gift, you can't earn it. You, you, you must receive the gift. Faith is the key that unlocks, again, the gift of grace, resulting in full and complete forgiveness and eternal life to the point, listen, no fear in death. Again, no guilt in life and no fear in death. What I love about this text is that the disciples and these false teachers, they were debating for some time. And then at the right time, Peter listened. He waited. And the Holy Spirit said, now. And when the Holy Spirit led him, Peter stood up and he spoke these life-changing words of solidifying and just being so precise with the nature of the gospel and how someone is truly saved. And maybe right now, this is your time. This is your moment of clarity. And the Holy Spirit says to you, now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to be saved. In the midst of a panic-stricken world, when everything seems to be falling apart and people are running around searching for answers, the Holy Spirit says to you right now, now is your time, my child. I want to finish this message with three verses for you to see on the screen there as well. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, absolutely so clear, gospel verses. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen, listen. Not a result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Do you see that right there in Ephesians chapter 2? It's grace that we are saved through faith. You cannot earn it yourself. I mean, for some of you right now, you've never, so many people I meet, they think if I just do enough good stuff, I'll get into heaven. Again, that's not, look, look, it's not in the Bible. You can't do enough. You must receive the gift of grace and forgiveness. You must live for Jesus Christ. He must be Savior. He must be Lord. Romans 10 verse 9 on the screen for you. Paul says, because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. He's got to take the He's got to take the wheel now. You can't keep driving. Jesus Christ has to be the one to take the wheel. You turn from sin, you place your faith in him. He takes the wheel right now. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe if you believe, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Look at the promise. You shall be saved. You shall be saved. 
That could be you today. And lastly, John chapter 11, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, this is so good, yet shall he live. Oh, may those words give life in the midst of COVID-19 right now. Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Shall never die. And you see what Jesus, how he ends that? Look at that. Look at that verse right there. He ends it. He says, and here's the question of the day. Do you believe this? Why does he ask it? Because faith is how we access the grace and life and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You know, so we are in a time of great difficulty, but we are also in a time of immense opportunity. And so I just appeal to you right now, if the Lord Jesus Christ is working in your heart, today is the day of salvation for you. I encourage you, our website, hopeoakville.ca. You can click on a tab and you can let us know. We have seen salvation stories even this past week. We are so encouraged by that. Or you can go to ineedhope.ca. Let us know. We will follow up. We will love you. We will care for you. We will walk with you. That is why we are here. We are living in such strange times where so many people are wondering and asking and searching, asking questions they never asked before. The opportunity for Jesus Christ is here right now. Is the world ending? I'm not sure, man, but if we need to know anything, man, the signs are pointing to let's get our act in order. Let's make sure that we know where we stand with Jesus Christ, okay? This is the time. Lord, may you work. May you work. Let's pray. Father, I beg you to save lives. Jesus Christ, I beg you to move and to grant the eyes of faith to see. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will be turning people from death to life right now. Again, the gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. So do that, Lord. Change, save young children right now. This is your moment. Young people, listen right now. This is your moment. Give your life. Turn from sin. Run to Jesus Christ. There's some older people right now. You are, you are listening, and this is your moment. This is your moment. You've been putting off the gospel for so many years, but now you say, I cannot wait a second longer. There's some husbands right now. This is your moment. This is your moment. Bow your knee. Confess Jesus Christ as Lord. There's some young women right now. Just enough, enough with the games. Turn to Jesus Christ. Turn to him and be saved. He invites you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. You long for the rest. That rest is only found in Jesus Christ. Now is the day. Now is the favorable time for salvation. Yes, Lord, save, move, multiply so many people for your kingdom that we might see your glory again raised up to levels never seen before in this nation. May it be so. May it be so, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.